Hello, welcome to episode 136 of the LDS Study Session with me, your host, Matthew Roberts. Firstly, thank you to all of those who are listening to this podcast. Uh, I just had a quick look at our viewing figures uh, on CastBox, and we've just broken through 700 listens, uh, which is incredible. You know, I mean, I've done 136 daily episodes, and there's been over 700 listens, which means that, you know, some people out there are finding some interest in what I'm sharing, and so... I just hope that something is, uh, something that I'm saying or anything that you hear is helping you in your studies, whether it be of your Come Follow Me or any other thing that we study on this podcast. Uh, I just hope that uh, something is helping. And if you've got anything to share, then please share it at MattSRoberts90 on Twitter and LDS Study Session, email me, uh, LDSStudySession at gmail.com. Now today, uh, I wanted to share something which I heard recently on a different podcast, um, but I thought was really fascinating and actually, you know, is uh, was an evidence to me of the Book of Mormon. And that is the Gentiles in the Book of Mormon. Now, I, I cannot claim any credits for this study because I literally learned a lot of it from the podcast episode that I listened to. So I'm going to try and post a link to it in the show notes. Uh, but uh, what I'm going to do is break it down a little bit and just share with you what I found in my studies and uh, just kind of explain it. So um, it's found on the Interpreter uh, podcast. Uh, and it is it was an article. And I, to be honest, I can't remember who gave the article, but it's about Gentiles in the Book of Mormon. And it discussed about how the term Gentiles was used in the book and how it shows us that this was actually a record. The Book of Mormon was a record written by a number of prophet historians rather than authored and penned by one man, namely Joseph Smith. Um, it, it, it adds to the debate and to the uh, reasons why it is quite clear that the Book of Mormon was written authentically hundreds hundreds of years ago by a, a, a collection of different prophets. Uh, because let's go dive right into it. When you search um, the, the word Gentiles in the Book of Mormon, if you just go to the Gospel Library app, this is probably the easiest way. You just go there, search Gentiles, and uh, obviously a load of different results come up, but you can then go to Scriptures and then click on the Book of Mormon, and you can see the list right there. When you look at this list of the word Gentiles being used, and to be fair, I've not, I've not narrowed it down to the word Gentile, but just Gentiles, um, but I'm sure it will reflect the same things that I found. Uh, it's interesting because the word Gentiles is used in the Book of Mormon, but it's only used in very specific parts, and it's only really used by very specific people. Um, if you go to, well, I've, I've listed it here. The word Gentiles is used 62 times in First Nephi, 35 times in Second Nephi, two times in Jacob, and then it's not used again all the way until 3rd Nephi, 38 times, then Mormon, 11 times, and then Ether, 12 times. So there are six books in the Book of Mormon where the, where the term Gentiles is used, and there are 15 books in the Book of Mormon. So straight away, we can see here that it's not used throughout. It's not a narrative or a commentary that was being used uh, throughout the book. But then when you look at where these terms were used, who they were used by and how they were used, you start to see very clearly that there is a clear pattern of different authorships in these terms, that these prophets that were talking about the Gentiles were specifically invested or were specifically aware 
of the Gentiles and the Jews and the relationship between the two in the latter days. When we look at the first Nephi and second Nephi entries, the vast majority are from Nephi, the son of Lehi. Uh, and the other person as well that's linked with this a lot is the angel that speaks to him. Now, of course, the angel speaks to him, but the angel does not record these words. So technically Nephi is recording these words. So you could attribute these references to the Gentiles to Nephi, son of Lehi as well. Nephi, the son of Le Lehi, uses the term Gentiles 44 times. And then you can add another seven when he quotes the words of Isaiah or the Lord speaking to him. And similarly, the angel that speaks to him in the vision of his, his father's uh, tree of life uses the term Gentiles 25 times. If you add all of that up together, that is a total of 76 entries of the word Gentiles recorded by Nephi, the son of Lehi. So why was he so significant in using this term Gentiles? Well, we know that, that Nephi lived in Jerusalem, and we know that he would have been told by his father and by all the prophets in Jerusalem about the Jewish community, about their relationship with the Lord, about how the Gentiles did not have this gospel, but very well the Gentiles, there was being prophecies that the Gentiles would be grafted into the house of Israel, uh, and so on. Now, we know that obviously um, Nephi was very aware of this, uh, he was aware of his heritage, heritage, his culture. He brought the culture over with him to the Americas, and he was teaching about it. And then, of course, the next person we find out about speaking about the Gentiles is Jacob, who uses the term Gentiles 12 times in Second Nephi, and then only twice in his own book. Now, again, Jacob, he didn't grow up in Jerusalem. He wasn't probably as... He didn't have the first-hand experience that Nephi had, of different prophets and other teachers in Jerusalem teaching them about the Jews and the Gentiles. However, he had his father, Lehi, and his brother, Nephi, uh, teaching and testifying about these things, and so he also taught about it, however, a lot less than Nephi did. And then, as we move on, we get to Enos uh, after Jacob. Now, Enos does not mention the word Gentiles, neither does any of the people who write in Enos, Jaram, Omni, and then in Mosiah, in Alma, in Helaman, all of these books do not mention the term Gentile once. And it's fascinating. This is where we start to see how there is actually uh, an evidence here about how this Book of Mormon was written by different authors. Because from Enos onwards, these people were not born on, in the old world, they were born in the new world. And particularly with Enos, you know, it seems that he did listen to some extent of what his father had to teach him, but probably not as much as others did. Um, and so he just didn't really take that message on board, it seems. And actually, as the Nephite nation start to move further away, generation by generation, from Nephi, the son of Lehi, and Jacob, it seems that their focus on the Gentiles and the Jews and their, their heritage to the Jewish community uh, seems to get lost, because naturally, over time, they have other matters and other events which they are more focused on. And so we come to a number of a, couple, a number of centuries, really, where these things are not spoken about, right up until 3rd Nephi, when suddenly we get a huge spike in the number of times the word Gentiles is used. So who is it that, you know, reminds the Nephites of their heritage, of how they are a, a branch of the house of Israel, and how one day the Gentiles would be part of 
their posterity receiving this gospel? Well, it is Christ. Christ visits them in 3 Nephi, and he uses the term Gentiles 32 times, if you include um, <coughs> the uh, quotes from Isaiah that he, uh, that he quotes from. Uh, and then Mormon also speaks it in 3 Nephi a few, few times as well. But Christ really is, is, is really the person, the second person after Nephi who uses the term Gentiles the most. And of course, he has just come from his ministry among the Jews. He is now teaching to the other lost sheep of the fold of the Jews that uh, have kind of been away from him for some time. Uh, and he's also reminding them of their relationship with the Gentiles, how the Gentiles would one day um, be on the earth and <coughs> this record that was being kept would go to the Gentiles and then go to their posterity to bring them back to him. Um, <coughs> and so he had a very special relationship with this Jewish and, Gent Jewish and Gentile um, teaching and focus. And then we go through again, and it's not until we come to Mormon and Ether, which is written by the hand of Mormon and then Moroni, uh, that we find the word Gentile coming up more. And again, these two prophets will have had their own reasons why they were <coughs> writing about Gentiles, uh, whereas the other prophets in the Book of Mormon did not write about it or record it or do it in their teachings. I mean, you think of the, the wonderful teachings of King Benjamin, you know, the, the sermon from the, the, from the tower at the temple. You think about the lectures on faith given by Alma, the teachings <coughs> given to his sons by Alma, the, the, El, the younger. You think about... Uh, Abinadi, you think about, uh, again, Enos, you know, an excellent uh, prophet. <clears throat> you think about Nephi, the son of Helaman. All of these wonderful prophets who were clearly inspired by the Lord, but they were not inspired to teach about the Gentiles to their people, for it would not really have made much difference or had much impact or interest to them. But then Mormon and Moroni ta start talking about the Gentiles. Uh, and that is interesting because they were probably the ones that were aware to begin, that the first ones aware that this record was now going to be soon prepared and closed for the Gentiles in the latter days. The prophets beforehand, such as Alma and Alma and Helaman and uh, Nephi, the <coughs> the son of um, Helaman, would, would not be aware that this record was being kept for the Gentiles in the latter days. They were instructed to keep this record. Uh, for their people and so they had no interest or no need to talk about the gentiles and this is again you know why we can start seeing how there are clearly different authors with different focuses in their teaching for mormon and moroni then start talking to not about but to the gentiles in the latter days and so it's being made quite clear to mormon and he is the one who abridges this record that this record is now being prepared and needs to be ready for the Gentiles in the latter days. And then Moroni is obviously taught this from his father, Mormon, and he continues that message of this is now being closed up and this will go forward to the Gentiles in the latter days. The fact that the term Gentiles and the teachings of Gentiles occurs with throughout the Book of Mormon, but in very specific parts, for very specific reasons by very specific authors, indicates either that this is an authentic record from a number of different prophet historians who had different focuses or themes of their ministries at the time, or Joseph Smith was a hugely intelligent um, fabricator and was aware that this record from the start would be written 
with a focus for different the Gentiles in different ways and different meanings and different patterns and ways. Um, now, <coughs> I don't know about you, but I'm fairly well educated. I can string a sentence or two together, and it would take me much longer than sixty five days, uh, approximately to put together something as intricate as, as that, along with all the wonderful lectures of faith, uh, the atonement, the spirit world, the plan of salvation, and all the things that are taught in the Book of Mormon. To me, it is another evidence that this is a true record, that it is translated by the hand of the Lord, and that Joseph Smith was called as a prophet to bring this book into, back into the world from where it was previously written by a number of prophets, historians. Anyway, I hope you've enjoyed the study today. Uh, I've, I've kind of put this into my own words, but really, if you are interested in this and, and, and found this quite interesting, then I would go and listen to the podcast episode, which I'm going to put in the show notes. It really is worth a listen. I've learned a lot from it, and it's helped to build my testimony even more. Obviously, the testimony we should have of the Book of Mormon is of, of a spiritual nature, but it does not hurt to be made aware of these really fascinating areas and parts of this wonderful, incredible book. Thank you for your time, and until we meet again.